Hello, this is Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown, joined in the Asia Tech Podcast studio by Lam Tram. Hey. Lam, welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to have you here. We're going to talk about your journey and Wise Pass and what mm -hmm. it's all about. Your journey, France, Vietnam, Singapore, all over. We're going to delve into that in a little bit. Joined as well in the other corner, Gustavo Liu. Gustavo, how are you doing? I'm very good. This I is the agree. first one we've done together. Yeah. No, actually, we've done a couple. Yeah, yeah, but not sort of in this context, though. Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> It'll okay. be fun. It'll be Let's fun. see. We're split testing. There we go. That's how we roll in the startup world. Lam, where are you from originally? I am from France, actually. I was born in Paris Yeah. in 84, and I spent like, most of my time over there. Mm -hmm. But uh, after that, actually, my, my dad was working for the French government. So I ended up being uh, in Western Africa, in Benin. All right. Yeah, I spent a couple of years for high school. And after that, I went back to France for university. And I happened to get the chance to uh, work in New York mm -hmm. as my first job in, uh, in the online marketing industry. Um, and after that, I went for a year in Korea doing my MBA. Right. So uh, I've been pretty around the world. Yeah. It sounds a bit like you, Gustavo. Your well, lifestyle. I know the way to Latin America. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not yet. In terms of different languages and different countries, yeah. how many languages do you speak? Uh, like, let's say like the languages I speak every day would be like French, English, and Vietnamese. Mm. I got like 10 years of German, but I never used German. Why did you pick German up? Uh, because like that's what you get when you're in middle school, right? It's oh. like English, German. I pick English first. And then after that, there was Spanish or German. Yeah. And then like in the French education system, like if you pick German, it's very hard. So it's better for you. And then you're going to be able like just to learn faster. Right. That kind of crap. Is it part of like the EU system where if you go to school in somewhere in Europe, you have to take a second language? Yeah. 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 yeah, you, have yeah, yeah. you have to do that. So most of the people are having like at least English and Spanish or German for mm -hmm. friends. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much like uh, right. how I ended up doing all this. And you live now where? I live in Ho Chi Minh City. Okay. Um, well, technically, right? Because I ended up traveling every two weeks, two mm. to three weeks. So Singapore now. Right. And Manila soon next month because we, we do the official launch. Yeah. And then it's going to be um, Hanoi, mm -hmm. Bangkok. And then uh, we're launching Indonesia, Malaysia, and Singapore. Right. Your so. company is based in... Uh, it's headquartered officially now in Singapore. Right. That's where your Singco, that's your top level company. Yeah. Mm. And, and then, then your operations are in? Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. And we started there like four years ago. And now the, the core team is over there. Uh, our engineers are over there. Mm. And the sales team, uh, everyone is over there actually at the moment. Okay. There's a reason why actually uh, now I get a good reason. Uh, we got funded uh, a year ago and then I asked all my... Um, my friends who are CEOs at their race as well. They were successful. Mm. I asked one question though, what kind of mistake have you done after? And they said like, we spent way too much money on expansion and putting and hiring a bunch of people around. So what we do now is to centralize in one single location. Mm. And then we hire less and then we go step by step. And the reason why is because when you work and raise a lot of money, you think you have a lot of money superpowers and yeah. actually your revenue forecast and you are less likely to hit the revenue forecast and mm. you're likely to spend more so this is what's going to happen all the time right so it's more careful like it's more cautious just to make sure like you just go step by step yeah how so many people are you now we are officially 19 people 19 or 90 uh, 19 one nine one nine yeah yeah based in uh, Ho Chi Minh. So um, mostly in Ho Chi Minh City. And mm. in every city we have like a, um, sort of like a business development, uh, soon like city managers. Mm. And they're responsible to build the supply because we're a platform and then building the demand. Yeah. So this is how we structure. Okay. Great. Mm -hmm. We'll talk a little bit more about the business model. I want to jump into your pitch deck. Sure. And then have a quick skim through some of the key talking points from your deck here which we'll bring up on the screen. Maybe, Lam, you can start by helping us understand what WisePass is. So what is it? Let's put it on the table. What exactly is it? Sure. Like, if you talk from the end consumer standpoint, it's really simple. Like, it's a lifestyle app. Mm. People subscribe uh, starting from $300 a month. And with that membership, people can actually get access to, like, a free bowl of wine every day or spirit, meals, a Starbucks coffee, movie tickets, mm -hmm. and soon even more, like airline tickets. You can just book a flight for free. So this is how it works. Right. So for $300, I get a free bottle of wine 
every day. That's not Singapore, surely. That is, that is $300 almost for a bottle of wine here in Singapore. Let me correct you. That is not yet Singapore. Okay. Right. So that's specific to Vietnam, is Vietnam, it? Vietnam, Thailand, yeah. um, the Philippines as well. Yeah. Okay. So help me understand it. It's a subscription based mm-hmm. model. Yeah. So I, as a consumer, would spend 300 US dollars. What am I getting? What, why would I want to do that and not just buy it individually? Sure. Um, let's say, like, uh, a bowl of spirits, a Jack Daniels bowl, right? Yeah. That's going to cost around like 100 bucks at the bar because this is what you get at the bar for free with Wise Pass. And if you go more than three times a month, Mm. at the bar at the club at the five-star hotels and restaurants then it totally makes sense because um you're just going to save money right Mm. so that's that was like the value proposition or the problem we were solving for some guys who would go out a lot we were pretty much like a nightlife app we're like if you want to go um six million actually six million vnd is like around three hundred dollars yeah and uh this is pretty much what you spend when you get to the club for one night Right. So in Ho Chi Minh. In Ho Chi Minh. So when that's you actually more than Singapore. Yeah. That's, that's not a big really night out. That's um yeah. that's well, this is what we spent. Yeah, they're ballers. <laughs> and uh you would go out to the club, you would spend like uh this three hundred dollars would be like five people and that's actually the bill. Right. Mm. Now the thing is like the the pitch was, well, for that price, three hundred dollars, you can get a bowl every single night for mm. free. And then mm. for guys who would actually pay, they understand the value of it. So this is why. That was two years ago. Right. Here's what we discovered. It works because people, those guys who would scan almost every day and then slowly use less and use it on average eight times a month, which is still good because that's worth $800 hmm. and you just pay 300 But we're a tech company, right? So we got to make sure like those users would keep using our product every day. But alcohol is not really a good fit for us. So... We listen to the members and say like, so what do you want? Mm. So to make sure that people would renew and so it, we would be sustainable. We listen to them and say, well, I can't drink every night, but I'm eating every day. So if you can put lunch or dinner, mm. that would be awesome. So for the nights or for the days where I'm not going to drink with my, my buddies and my clients, then I can get a lunch. Mm. I have to eat any, anyway. And we started like that. Actually, we started to put the lunch, so you eat every day, and then the dinner. And then we started to ask another question because we did it. Uh, what else do you do? Well, uh, sometimes I'm too busy, so I don't have time to even go out. I just order something else. Um, I go out for coffee sometimes. Like I, I do the coffee meetings in Starbucks. Mm. Can you put a Starbucks as well? So we did. We went to Starbucks, and we said, like, we, we like to make a deal. And so we did. So now, like with the membership people, mm. those people can actually start to use WisePass with Starbucks. Right. Let, let's flash that up on the screen because we've got some of the the partners here. Maybe people can understand it a little bit better mm-hmm. when they see it in the context of the kind of. We'll come to your data in a minute. You've got the um, uh, the partners here. So we have Starbucks, Marriott, etc. So with Starbucks, if I was just to focus on Starbucks, uh-huh. what would I get for three hundred dollars? Uh, you would get there, you scan a QR code, yeah. and then you can get any drinks, any size, every day. Every day? Every How day. many drinks? One drink. One, one drink w- a one day? One scan, one drink. Right. So what that's about food? Food, like one set lunch, one set dinner. In Starbucks or uh, in some, somewhere in, else? In the restaurant. Right, so I can get one Starbucks coffee, I can get one lunch, and one dinner, or one dinner. Or? So a lunch or dinner, yeah. and one meal. One Starbucks and one meal. Can you get them all in the same place, like in Starbucks? Uh, food there, today, for Starbucks, like the way we did and the way we launched and designed it was to make it super simple. Yeah. The value prop is one free drink, any size, any drinks. Mm. They do food, but uh, we're waiting for, the, uh, for their staff and actually for the whole entire uh, Southeast Asia just to adopt that model first. And then after that, we can actually increase and in, uh, the, the revenue for them by doing food. For uh, the restaurants, we did it in a very simple manner as well. One set lunch, and then that's it. So you yeah. scan and you eat, and you choose whatever is in the set lunch. Same thing for th- set dinner. Everything is set. And um, that simplifies the process for operations. Like They don't have to think about it. It's very simple for the end consumer because it's free dinner. That's it. You just mm. get that. Unless you're really hungry, you want to uh, order like five different more uh, items, fine, but you have to pay for that. Usually, if it's well, 
the quality of the food is extremely important as well because like we pick the right places because like since we move from nightlife to lifestyle we're looking at all the details like making sure that you want to have a good time this is how we define lifestyle if you want to have a good time what is a good, how to have a good time when you get to the restaurant is it because of the product because of the service because of the atmosphere because of the the setting because of the view the restaurant may have what are, what are those uh, dimensions so we look at it and then we take our time just to really experience it mm. and we experience also consistency because like one of the um, weaknesses for fnb is uh hr experience table some waiter uh, waitresses or waiters would be here then the next day they're not here anymore and they were making a great difference sometimes mm. so we're looking at all that and then we actually talk to the restaurant not the other way around where we, s- we try just to get and list everyone else um, this is why like a lot of people were asking us like are you like yelp or you like a food review mm. website and then uh, we just search and then that's it right we don't do that actually we we don't list everybody everybody we have to make sure like there's like those dimensions like has to be like really good it doesn't have to be extremely fancy or extremely expensive i'll give you an example in Ochimin City and Hanoi now, we got a really great pizza place named Pizza 4P. And those guys are killing it. They're full almost uh, all the time. It gets to the point it's ridiculous. You got to make a booking. Mm. And uh, every day it's, it's full all the time. So you got to reserve like a day in advance. And uh, they're very good, but the pizza costs only 10 bucks. So it's not like a $100 type of uh, experience, right? So we're looking that that kind of quality, this experience. Right. We define it really, really clearly. But why would they then work with you if they're fully booked every night? Mm. Why do they need you to come and maybe give them, you know, like even though you can guarantee them revenues, maybe they're getting less yes, sure. per customer. So uh, usually all those FNB uh, places where they would say, why why do I need you? And mm. uh, I'm, I'm fine and all that. You're like uh, this, uh, those like uh, Groupon uh, websites, right? We buy full price, first of all. And most of the time our customers are like executives, directors. So that type of customers, they want to have it. Mm. They want to make sure like they come and experience it. And because the average spend on, on the bill is actually higher. Mm. And uh, we can prove it. Or they, can, they have their own system. They can actually check and track. The problem with F&B is they usually don't try much. But we do with our system here. So we can come and prove it. Got it. Mm-hmm. And in terms of you and your business, how far are you into that business? When did you start and what sort of stage are you? Are you at revenues? Maybe you can share some numbers. Sure. With us. Uh, we started in October 31st, 2014. That's mm-hmm. the day we incorporated in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. And then we started to have real good revenue from August 16, 2014. 16. Right. A year and a half in. Yeah. So the first year and a half, we didn't have anything. We we're failing. We we're struggling a lot. And then the, this membership model, the subscription service started just to take off only la- at that time. Right. So a couple a couple of years ago. Did you introduce that later on? Is that the point at which you started to see revenues? Uh, sorry? The, the subscription model, was that a later addition? Did you start doing that or was that how you started out? Uh, that was like a late addition. Right. Like we didn't start like this. We, we pivoted. And then when we pivoted and got this um, subscription model, this is when we, we start to to get the market fit. Mm. And the revenue started and we're growing like 50% every three months now for the past eight quarters straight. Mm. And um, so the market fit is here and we are at a stage where we're working more on scaling the business because like, we are now not running in one city, but four. Mm. And I can see clearly like uh, all the the bottlenecks. Like, uh, how do we pay back the vendors? How do we make sure like we can hire good people? How can we, uh, what if we go to ten thousand visits a month? Mm. We're doing like fifteen hundred to two thousand visits a month for this quarter now. What's going to happen? What kind of issues do we have? What about the user experience? Can we make it consistent? Did we make any mistakes? We have to say no sometimes to some vendors. Like, oh, can we do this? Can we do that as mm. well on WisePass? Uh, we gotta say no yeah. and we gotta focus and making sure like the user experience is really good and this is why like on the pitch deck I emphasize like on a few slides uh, we gotta work with global brands they're very professional they're process based mm. and uh, they're helping us to scale because uh, Starbucks has 27,000 locations around the world 
the Merit Group has like more than uh, 6,500 properties. Mm. Those guys can help us to scale. So yeah. if we do a good job and we laser focus and it works and they don't have to spend more, and by the way, we buy full price, we're great partners. Okay. What I want to do is ask you a few more questions about the model, and then what we'll do is we'll I'll hand over to Gustavo, who's going to mm -hmm. delve deeper into maybe more of the technical side and also about the ICO part, mm -hmm. which me is off limits. I don't understand enough to be able to talk intelligently about this. So sure. I can talk about the money side at this point. I, I've got to admit, initially when I heard the model, uh, I was skeptical mm -hmm. that you know how would people, especially in a market like Vietnam, like be interested in this model, um, but you are already making money mm -hmm. yeah. so you know i'm wrong you're right so that's how it works right the money speaks yeah. um maybe we can flash up the the pitch deck again you've got some of your your numbers in here which sure. kind of speak for themselves which you know say, shut up graham like you're wrong here we've got the the wise pass revenue numbers here so obviously you know you've already mentioned that you're growing 50 percent quarter on quarter yeah um, where are we now in terms of, you know, my eyesight is not good enough to better see that far across the room. Can you maybe just talk about where we are in terms of your revenues at the moment? So uh, last quarter, Q2 2018, that was $87,000, mm. um, $323 revenue. And then uh, this quarter we have to hit like $135,000. Right. So it's pretty, yeah, it's going. Right. The, the question is, uh, does it, so that's why like I'm in the stage where I'm growing right now, I'm scaling. And then how how fast can I keep growing at this rate at 50%? Mm. So we're talking more about 30, 50% maybe like in a year from now. But we think like uh, this is going to grow more and more because like our customers, so we got to talk about the customers. Who are they? Those uh, customers are pretty much like guys, 70% of them, 28, 49. Mm. They're using WisePass for mainly business purposes and the company is actually paying for it. So it's co it's a corporate business, and they use it because like they're gonna bring the client out. They bring they use it because they get a business lunch, they get a business dinner, they get those coffee meetings, and guess what? Sometimes those men when are when they get um, promoted, right? They get a better salary and they get to travel. That is why we're adding Grab, and that is uh, why we're adding uh, airlines, so they can just book it on the Wise Pass, and then we capture the travel budget the F&B budget mm. from all those corporates that will use and spend money on on those salespeople. Yeah. So effectively what you're doing is you're for, th there's a couple of pain points there. Maybe we can talk a little bit oh, about sure. that. The first one is, is that let's say, uh, well, I am a founder of a, a company, for example. I'm a founder of a startup. I've been an entrepreneur for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do meetings in coffee shops like Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Almost inevitably, it comes out of my personal pocket, even though I and the company are not too dissimilar, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's always that issue of like, okay, I buy a coffee for somebody in a meeting and it's out of my change or whatever. I'd rather just have some system where I can pay for that and then it goes to the company and mm -hmm. that's paid for, that's dealt it. with, all geared as well. And then for the company itself, especially when you're talking about travel, that's where costs can spiral out of control because somebody spending on a company account especially a startup for example you know three hundred dollars doesn't sound like a lot of money but when you're staying in a hotel and you're ordering out of you know like food bars and stuff like that you know three hundred dollars doesn't go very far in any city in the world mm. you can gear that so you can say all right you can travel and you can spend the money and you can feed yourself but you know maybe you shouldn't be doing it out with a mini bar or like room service we'll just give you this pass and that will look after you that seems like a great deal exactly so that's actually the uh usually the perspective from the ceo or cfo those guys they want to set the budget and want to make sure it doesn't get over mm. that's one second they don't want to get all those receipts and collect all those papers and imagine like you get like 10 20 sales that will bring uh, each of them like 10 receipts on average a month mm -hmm. that's like hundreds of receipts and then as you grow, you'll get even more and more. So you just get a single invoice for the whole entire sales force for all the different needs for that they may have instead yeah. of actually collecting like all the invoices from the restaurants right, or, and anything else. So that's the efficiency for the administrative costs. That's one. Second is predictability for the revenue, for the cost mm. of the CFO. So it doesn't get over or it can get even lower. Um, and that's good. So this is on the from the corporate, from the end user side now, and this is what we're working on. We gotta make sure like we add all the good places in the city, and then we can make suggestions 
we can track like all the scans and conversions mm. and look at w which places should we recommend this person just to get now based on your location based on the fact that you're a man at this age and then and maybe from that nationality because we can incorporate the passport in that by the end of the year and then we can collect a lot of data points to show like okay it seems like you may like those five places around you mm. that's like the likelihood so we become better and better and actually predicting like how you can have a good time for food for drinks for movies anything that, that can come up in your mind okay that's uh one thing and yeah that's actually the the end user side now it's the most important actually because we failed mostly in our first two years because we were focused so much on the b2b on the mm. on the building this great app for brands and businesses but we forgot pretty much about the actual value proposition for the end consumer if you start actually focusing on on building a great product for the end consumer the rest actually follows and this is what discovered like we just close a deal with uh Pernod Ricard mm. uh, well they they have like Shivas Absolute Valentine's the Glenlivet and all those people they're looking for a great platform where people are actually drinking eating mm. enjoying and they can't build that because they have this mindset of uh, I'm a brand I just need to make a nap for my brand and it doesn't work so someone else had to take the time to build a whole entire platform about lifestyle for the users and then the brands will just follow after that. And why hasn't this been done already? That's my question because I like what you're doing. I like the fact you're removing sticker shock for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing doesn't require AI or blockchain. That may help it, but it doesn't require it to make it work. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Why, why hasn't it happened already? Because we've had Yelp, for example. We've had Groupon. We've had all these different approaches in different manners to the market mm -hmm. what have you done why did it take you to do it i mean the fundamental approach of why space is actually you come from you start from the user and you backtrack it to any vertical usually like yelp is going to be about let's say food and then this is my vertical and that's it right i don't go anywhere else so if you're a user you just go to Yelp for a single purpose why space is actually more like an access where I want to have a good time and then you backtrack it and this is uh, the first thing and mm. maybe this is like the first difference the second is when uh, so i used to work for google and then what i realized is everything about digital and mobile right now is pretty much google or facebook and the rest and the business model of google and facebook is pretty much based on impressions and clicks so if you're a brand and you want to reach a lot of people then you have this budget and then you spend it and that's pretty much of it that's how it works if you're a brand and you want to use performance marketing on mobile and digital and you put a million dollars and get 10 million dollars back and then your product is being sold offline or consumed offline there's no platform for that it's complicated it's complicated because like there's a whole legacy about uh before the internet era like before the 90s right like alcohol was sold before and actually in supermarkets mm. in restaurants and bars and so on and so on but there's no way for 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 those uh, giants right now to track what's going on in the club uh, in the bar because you got to build it and we happen to build that whole entire infrastructure and network one by one which is like we use a QR code we we created a box and then whenever people will actually scan this is what we call conversion and that's hard because I didn't want to do that it takes too much time it can't scale right away you got to figure out the right business model mm. the right value proposition and make sure like this is something that, that can shoot up to a billion users maybe like uh, within three or five years they don't have the patience for that because like they have a corporate agenda where they're supposed to grow 30 percent 10 percent or 20 percent year over year and they're all focused on their business model mm. so the ceo of google like sandar or like in facebook they'll have to focus and focus on their business model first and this is clicks and that's it there's little room for them because they're too corporate right now so for me, I position myself in that space because like nobody has been working on that for I don't know why. I just, I'm, I'm in online marketing for more than 10 years. Mm. I understand why now they're not doing this because they don't have time and they have to be focused. They're drinking, like the liquid brands like the Shivas are absolute. They're very corporate as well. They have an agenda for a whole year. They got to execute, that's it. Mm. Then when they think about mobile or digital, they're like, oh, oh let's do an app. How? You get a month for that. You, don't, you can't do much with a month. You have to s sit down and really right. think hard. For the restaurants, why why the in, uh, the F&B industry hasn't done that? Because they're really uncomfortable with tech. 
So why Spanish is more like at the intersection of yeah. like the F&B, the branding, the tech, and then we are here. And it forces you basically just to learn and understand from each different world. And the way we work is actually to use uh, shape-shifting by adding like an additional world where it's not three circles, it's actually multiple circles. And then it's just m harder and harder to understand what we do because we are actually constantly learning from new industries and then we uh, put it on the top. Right, and the best practices and what they know. Insights, numbers, yeah. like who is who is stakeholders, like how, what's the price point, why is it like that, what's the margin with that, what can you do? Right. And yeah. Okay, got it. So I'm going to hand over to Gustavo because we're going to talk about funding and the ICO as well. So um, I think what you're doing, I mean, I, I, what I hear what you're saying is that because these industries are very successful at their own models and have been up to this stage and maybe that success won't continue forever, mm -hmm. but, you know, they've got to where they've got to perfecting one way of doing things. Your solution sits across many vertical sectors, mm -hmm. right? And it joins all the dots because you're focused on a customer journey across all these different mm -hmm. industries and touch points and so on. There's nobody who's really sitting across all of that apart from somebody who's outside of all of it, right? Yeah, the common sense is like uh, when I hear those guys from the Silicon Valley is like, why don't you just pick a vertical and just focus hard on that and that's it and right. get a lot of users and this is how you are successful. And then I usually like to use critical thinking. It's like, why? And how is this going to make me more successful? And why are we not taking a different approach? Like, why don't we actually take a lot of different verticals? But it's not just for the sake of actually debating. It's because, like, how can we build more value and actually build a great business that's going to become much more scalable and, and bigger? And that's actually the the main questions i'm asking first and the how is actually by focusing on mm. one vertical and on doing all that right so that's why i started with the first approach is we start from the user and we backtrack it to the vertical and then if it makes sense for men 28 49 and they are actually uh sales and they need to get around the city they need to fly they need to close a deal they need to stay by the way if they're flying somewhere uh, some somewhere else they're going to stay somewhere else. So accommodation or real estate might be making sense for us. Mm. So in this case, that may, uh, you see that the, the market size is going to grow. We start from the customers and then we backtrack it. Yeah, that's the way to do it. It's yep. the only way to do it. Well, okay. that's, uh, that was my way. Right. Well, that's and that's way. why we're here talking about it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. Fantastic. Lam, I'm going to hand over. Gustavo, should we flick back up the, the pitch deck now? Yeah, we can sure. have a look. Uh, let's take a look at the revenue a little bit. And I, and I think it's an interesting business sure. model yeah. um, to approach it from the, from the sort of the multi-layer um, sort of angle. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of quite interested to know um, why did you choose Vietnam to kickstart this project, um, given that I, in my understanding, like Vietnam would have been a little bit more difficult for adoption purposes as compared to like say France, for example, where you grew mm. up. I'd say like it's more a personal thing. Like um, I wanted to live in Vietnam mm. and the, I realized that only like uh, four or five years ago when I was in Google. Yeah. I was a head of marketing of uh, a group by website I got the opportunity just to fly to France and work for Google France. And then the only thing I thought was just to come back. Yeah. Every quarter, every like, when, when do I get back? So I got back. And after I got back, actually, I, I just got this job as a head of marketing of Tiki in Vietnam. It's a retail website. And the problem is actually, after that, I got bored because it would be the same thing over and over. So this is when I started WisePass and I was in Vietnam but the question was, what am I going to do? Mm. And this is uh, to answer the question, why did I start Vietnam? Because I was there. I yeah. was already there. and physically I, uh, that was where you I were was there. physically there. I wanted to be there and work on a problem that um, nobody has solved before. Yeah. That was actually the most important. And when I found the, the, the right motivation and, and the question was very really simple, like what do I want to do from my 30s, 30 to 40? I'm going to look at 10 years of my life on working on a problem that is extremely hard to solve. And uh, I wrote an article on Tech in Asia where yeah. why on Vietnamese uh, start going global. 
three reasons. One is because I did just copy paste. So take a proven model and then you just uh, bring it back. You are, they don't know how to internationalize. Mm. We don't see any re regional or even global startups. And three is uh, the ecosystem is really weak for now. Yeah. It's getting better, but no, it's not there yet. So what about like, I build a global startup and uh, take on that challenge for the next 10 years from my 30 to my 40. Mm. And I can actually give this to, as a legacy to this country because okay. my parents are Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. So now that I found the right motivation and I knew it four years ago, I'd say, okay, this is, there's, in, there's enough like meaning, I guess. Yeah. So the meaning is driving you like as a human being and give this emotional energy mm -hmm. to wake up every morning and say, I'm doing something that's gonna be big. Yeah. And then it's not something in your mind, it's revenue goes up, you can see the charts. Um, the product is evolving every day, every, every three to six months actually. Right. And then you see more and more people like recognizing that. So um, that was my way just to motivate myself to start from Vietnam, think about like what I want, what I want to give back. And I think it's great, it's pretty cool. It's like breaking the mindset of people thinking like Vietnam, you don't innovate. And then, well, there you go. And what has it been on the adoption side, some of the challenges as compared, because if you go to Europe, for example, that's the reason why I ask about France, because everybody's sort of using more digital payments and it's uh, barely anybody's using cash. But then, you know, going to Vietnam, trying to get some of the suppliers, because you have the demand side and the supply side mm -hmm. to get digital, to go digital, right? Mm -hmm. um, how has that journey been? Yeah, so we benefited from the fact that like uh, the mobile adoption is really high, but the, the, the bottleneck is more like the, um, the, the low adoption of credit cards, mm -hmm. Visa and MasterCard. But to be honest, like uh, we don't need like that massive adoption of uh, credit cards. There has 8 million credit cards issued for Visa only mm -hmm. in Vietnam. We believe it's more than enough for us to be profitable. Actually, okay. right now we need, I think, uh, a few uh, hundred more paid subscribers, and then we're good. We're breaking even. Mm -hmm. So. So I think, and that's Vietnam, yeah. right? So Is your business model tied in with the credit cards? W uh, well, maybe with some cryptocurrency. Let's <laughs> um, do it. Open the Pandora's box of crypto. <laughs> oh no. Go and do it. Oh, the word it's is holding back from yeah. mentioning blockchain. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we're using uh, only like, um, we're using Braintree, so it's Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and maybe in the future, Alipay and mm -hmm. Union Pay. So yeah, it's pretty, card based and the reason why is because like it's very scalable because when you do cash you got to do cash collection and it's harder to actually grow and scale yeah so that might be a limiting factor for me in the future because i haven't done that but uh if you think about the long term then uh yeah, using cars and growing like across all the countries is much better so could you take a look at um the slide on the revenue mm -hmm. um because it only shows revenue so what percent of that is actually what is your margin your profit margin it's actually on the slides the two slides right after okay next one this one so so margin is 40 percent for standard mm -hmm. and uh, uh, margin for uh, premium is 70 percent which uh, is the next slide as well and this is based on a single type of form of um, revenue model which is subscription model that or is, is there any other type of uh, revenue um yeah it's uh, based on the subscription service of 300 dollars Okay. Uh, then the premium is actually $700 a month. So you mentioned that you pay your um, suppliers a uh, full price. Mm -hmm. So that means that you are um, adding the 40% onto your, the, the your customers that are actually paying the additional 40%. Or how do you make that 40% in between? Okay, so uh, let's say I, I charge someone else, like I charge you $300 today. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's an average, right? But I'm just gonna talk about the financial flow. So I receive $300 from you, and then you're gonna go and get a meal, you're gonna get a bottle of wine, and you're gonna get a, um, a Starbucks coffee. Yeah, I gotta pay for all that. So my vendors would be the, the restaurant where you get a meal, uh, the Starbucks coffee, and then the, uh, the brand, uh, the bottle of wine I, uh, I purchased from the supplier. Yeah, at full price? At, uh, yeah. Or is that the cost price? So, so Are they retail price, or is it their, their actual cost price? Okay, so now there's like retail price, wholesale price, yeah. and at cost or with a discount. Yeah. So for the bowl of wine, we buy it at a wholesale price. Okay. So at the bar, actually, the margins is really high. It's like 60 to 80%. Sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we skip all the margins. We take all those margins and give it back to the customer. 
-hmm. So we don't actually make a margin on the bulb. Mm -hmm. We, in Vietnam, buy a bottle of wine or spirits from $10 to like $15. Mm -hmm. So that's around the average. A cup of coffee at Starbucks in Vietnam, because it's more expensive here, is like $3.50. Mm -hmm. And Singapore is actually $4.50. I just did the math today. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you talk about the meal, it's around like, uh, you can range for like $5 to like $15 for a meal. Okay. So lunch or dinner. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, we do what we call experience, which is called like, there's an Italian chef from Rome. And you know what? 50 bucks, it's on us. And there's a lot of people would come there because they, they value that, right? They, I want to get that experience. I want to have a good time, right? Yep. So the way we do it is actually to pick those experiences that sometimes restaurant would offer. So that's a financial flow line. We get the money from the subscribers through the Visa card or MasterCard. We pay the vendors back, and that's it. Is there more like economy of scales? Because if you assume that everybody, sort of like a gym membership, right? You assume everybody starts to show up at the gym membership. It's be super crowded, but you hope that some people won't fully utilize those credits. Do they? What is the percentage that's being utilized um, of the of your consumers? So uh, let's say at the moment it ranges like from 10 to 12 times on average a month. Mm -hmm. And what we're looking for, like it's really counterintuitive. It's we want them to use it uh, more than 12 times, 15 times or 20 times. Okay. At this, so the, the frequency and the use has to increase and the average cost per item has to decrease. Mm -hmm. That is why we put more items like Starbucks, CG, yeah. uh, CGV is like a movie theaters in Vietnam, in Korea as well. But those, um, so movie theaters, you can go and watch a movie. You can go get a cup of coffee. You can go to the fitness. Yeah. We are working on uh, partnering with fitness club now. Mm -hmm. uh, you can work out, so exercise, which is good. Um, and then because you use WisePass a lot, yep. then the correlation is actually, your renewal is actually higher. Like people that use it really value it. Okay. So mm -hmm. what we want is to actually have people really using yeah. the app almost every day. Because consumers don't buy products, they buy experiences. And this is essentially what you guys want to enhance that, that entire experience for the customer. Uh, yeah, and we, we want that. We want to make sure like it's a great product that can be used on a daily basis. Yeah. And, um, and then the minute you, you get that product that can self-improve, basically, yeah. then uh, you get value. Yeah. So it's like one is convenience. Sure, like we started two years ago, like, oh, you save a lot of money because like, if I hang out more than six, seven, eight times a week in a month. So I save those amount of dollars, yeah. great. But then we put the movie tickets with the Starbucks and this and this and that. So this is like more convenience now. Mm -hmm. And we got a balance between like the cost and the convenience. Yeah. And make sure like uh, anything we add in the system will be really beneficial. So the value perception mm -hmm. is high even though sometimes the actual cost is not. So this is like a funny thing, like people are very emotional or logical for men in the beginning. Yeah. You, you guys will do all the calculations, oh, this is how much I'm gonna save and based on that. And you totally forget like you're emotional as well as men. Yeah. And the minute like you use WisePass, you'll be like, okay, whatever, I'll just use my coffee today because uh, I, don't, I don't wanna get a drink. And then you forget uh what's going to happen and then over time you just get ha this habit of using WisePass. okay is there any particular um reason why your primary target demographic is mainly men because mm. women are equally just as they probably spend a lot on lifestyle more than men uh, well, under my assumption. Uh, let me get a drink so <laughs> <laughs> and we can talk about this whole night it kind of feels like yeah. it well it's like a gender thing uh it's a cultural thing as well mm -hmm. who pays for the drinks when you go out mostly men yeah sadly i wish yeah. like more <laughs> women can be empowered so they would come and tell the guy i want to pay my share as well. or we could be europeans and go dutch right oh, <laughs> we could we could do 50 50. but I, I i wish women would be the one paying for the whole ball every time a couple would go out and say yeah because i'm an independent woman and i have my own income yeah. uh, sadly or at least in vietnam uh we see that more men are paying that's that's what I see. But uh, I encourage women to pay more uh, for men. That's mm. what I wish. Mm -hmm. um, why is men? Because I, uh, yeah, it's very cultural. Like guys would invite girls most of the time. For mm -hmm. a day, they would get a bottle of champagne in a five star in the rooftop. They would get the bottle 
and this is uh, for now this is how the world is and yeah. it may change so this is why we got the uh, men in the beginning yeah uh, that was like pretty much like 100% men but now we have like a different type of demographics like we've got women and I was very surprised but of course now it makes sense like women that are 35 plus divorced or executives and or executives they already have money they don't need a guy just to go out and they want to enjoy with their girls mm-hmm. okay in this case it makes sense for those women uh, for and if we're asking like a young female 22 years old with no income to get a wise pass it wouldn't make sense because she doesn't have income yet and then maybe usually she would go for a ladies night okay so because like this like this thing as well so it's sort of like um because earlier on you said that uh, the the core of your demographics actually the corporate um mm-hmm. staff right yeah. um and it kind of does make sense that it starts to open up that that demographic from men from purely focusing on on the end consumer which is just men as opposed to the corporate will include women as well mm. Um, and that kind of widens up as well. Um, but at the same time, do you see that corporates are, uh, from what angle, because it kind of looks like from your revenue perspective, are you capping your your uh, the, your consumer's ability to spend? Or is it has have you found that kind of as a challenge? Or are they able to spend more than $300 if they wish to? Uh, it depends. Like uh, we started with a plan at three hundred, so we call this a standard plan, and mm-hmm. now we get the premium plan. Premium is actually seven hundred dollars, and then you can use it. So a standard, you can use it once a day for any items, but you gotta use it only once a day. Yeah. Premium is actually twice a day, so you, you can actually go out and get a bottle here and get a bottle there. Okay. And then we've got the elite plan, which is gonna be two thousand dollars US a month, okay. when you can use it like six times a day. Um, so the question is, do we cap it? Yeah. Um, well, now that we have those plans, yeah. not really. They just need to upgrade to a new plan. Exactly. Okay. So you you say like you've been tasting the uh, the standard plan for like a week or two, and then yeah. you want to upgrade. Uh, we got this case. We got some current customers in in Vietnam because like Samsung has invested a lot of money now yeah. for their Galaxy phones. Yeah. So a bunch of Koreans have a lot of money. Okay. And they mm. they use a premium. And they start from the standard for three hundred dollars, and then the company is going to pay for that. Yeah. And then they quickly upgrade to the seven hundred dollars. Cool. So since we're talking about spending, um, let's talk a little bit about your ICO. Yeah, sure. <laughs> let's open that box. Um, so blockchain. Mm-hmm. What uh, at what point and uh, what was the reason behind um, wanting to go into the ICO sure. world? Well, I'll be honest, the story is uh, a year ago in 2017, in 2018 now, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So a guy came over and said, hey, let's do an, uh, an ICO because like a lot of money can be raised and this and that. And I wasn't interested, I rejected it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I'm really old fashioned in terms of business, it's about customers, revenue, growth and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my customer actually, a premium one, came yeah. over and said, you gotta do an ICO. Yeah. And then I usually listen to my customers, but I again ask why? Why would I actually do like this blockchain cryptocurrency thing that I don't understand? Mm-hmm. So the key reason that actually convinced me was, well, why Spass is about lifestyle and you can access all the meals, Starbucks and all that kind of like the things like the real economy. Yeah. And nobody does that right now on uh, with all those ICOs. It's pretty much like tech projects. They have a token, but then you can't do mo- anything with the token besides trading. Like you can just trade on the exchange and you try to make some profits out of it. But that's pretty much of it. Nobody or oh, nobody has a- been able to really like build an app where you can just scan a QR code and just get your coffee yeah. with your tokens uh, so far. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting for me just to do, sit down and uh, research about it. And that's true. So far, like we don't see anything in, oh, at least in Vietnam. We don't see anyone else like doing uh, this kind of crypto payments that would be compliant, because mm-hmm. actually uh, the Vietnamese government is actually forcing any payments to be in VND. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Second is actually yeah, nobody else has been doing a token just to do such things anyway. Uh, and uh, yeah, and we're global, so. What I thought about uh, this kind of um, blockchain revolution 
is uh, it's a new layer on additional form of payment where people would be able to spend their cryptocurrencies and with tangible things. Would it, do you think it will hurt your, your revenue if you switch over? Or is there going to be more as a adoption of fiat and tokens? It's more like, for me, like from the business standpoint, I'm very traditional. So it's going to be like an additional form of payment where people can pay by crypto, people can pay with fiat. Mm-hmm. We don't think of uh, turning our token to be the, the, the ultimate currency or something like that. But it's just like you can use like uh, WisePath with your um, crypto and your wallet. I so. see. So, but then for your current raise, the one that we received on the pitch deck, that one is on the back of equity, right? Uh, th- that is or correct. Is it's equity. Or there is an equity right, raise. And so you're raising around about um, two million on the back of a valuation of six million? Yeah. That's okay. uh, the, yeah, okay. So back to it, that's equity funding. Equity funding, right? Like right now we are. So it's going to be released soon, right? Yeah. So we are discussing now with some VCs, and okay. we are uh, closing with some VCs at the moment for uh, growing that business. Yes. So how do the VCs uh, feel when you bring in ICO onto the table, mm. and you know there is an intention obviously to do a sort of a crowdfunding aspect to mm-hmm. to selling those tokens. Yeah. yeah. And so. Would that is that a concern? Would that expose you b- further risk? Um, would there be any? Is like what are some of the challenges that you've been facing when you talk to the during your race? Um, let's say it depends on how you frame the uh, the conversation. Uh, the way we actually present it is just we're gonna be able like to get more customers. Okay. Crypto affluent people they get a bunch of uh, cryptocurrencies. They want to use it just to eat and drink and watch movies and all that. This is what you can do with WisePass, mm-hmm. and that's it. So we're not like uh, we're not going to do an exchange. We're not going to do some stuff in trading. We just keep focusing on how to g- get people a good time. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, we possibly could open more um, avenues to to sort of payment method, especially as yeah. there's more of a, of the sort of token trading craze. People are opting to pay using Ethereum and Bitcoin as opposed to using fiat these days. Yeah, I mean it's very volatile for now. I'll be honest. Like uh, today, uh, the past few days, we saw the Ethereum just crashing, and now everyone is yeah. just panicking right now. And for me, like I, I don't care. I mean, like it doesn't really affect WisePass. Right. Actually, to be honest, it's even great because we can buy more <laughs> for liquidity purposes. Okay. And then, then the business doesn't like people will always eat, drink. So far, uh, watch movies and get around the city. Yeah. So we we uh, we back to some really basic needs that, and we know that they will do this all the time. So I'm not too much worried about that part. The blockchain for now, I like, still have a lot of things uh, to solve. Like um, one other thing we're trying to discuss with uh, another company is called like Kyber Network. So I gotta meet the CEO tomorrow and say. How can we make it faster in terms of transaction confirmation? So there's only six transaction confirmed per second for the whole entire network. It's very slow. So that's actually more of my concern because for the customer, we don't want them to wait for more than half a second. Yeah. Just scan, you're done. And then go and enjoy the meal and enjoy the coffee and enjoy. That's actually what the value is. We bring those emotions. We don't want them just to be be just straight waiting and everything. Yeah. yeah, the text should be just like a, a thing to help the human beings just to enjoy more, rather than just being uh, a thing for the sake of it. Right? And that is essentially where um, the, you know, in the whole sort of work chain space, we're still very early, and a lot of sort of payment system is trying to figure out how to make things more seamless and more f- uh, faster. But um, it's been an exciting discussion. I've actually enjoyed quite a lot. I have a ton of questions. We, we have just scratched the surface, haven't we? We're running yeah. out of time here. Yeah, sure. hey, listen, um, before we finish, just a couple of questions, Lam. And I, I've really enjoyed listening as well. And I'm fascinated by your journey. And I think just to share that one thing that's really impressed me about, not just the pitch deck, but obviously when you sat here and shared your story, and I wonder if Gustavo thinks the same as well, but you're really focused on what it is that you're doing here, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's not always the case with every single founder but you know what it is that you've got to deliver and you're focusing all your energies and laser beams on that right now and that's great to hear thank you so i guess this is how you can be successful right you got to be very focused and put all the energy in yeah 
and that's it. So uh, I think like I learned this from like Guy Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. And like at the moment, here's what I'm doing. I'm just focusing on sales. Uh, actually, three things: sales, sales, and sales. Yeah. So that's it. Because that's the all it is at the end of the day. Yeah. That's the exactly. I mean, as, as I say to, I mean, I'm, my background is sales. Oh, okay. So you know, it's all about sales, and businesses fail because of sales. Either the costs are higher than the sales, or the sales are below the costs. Right. That's mm-hmm. what it's about at the end of the day. So getting out there and selling. Um, the question that I want to ask you in closing, Lamb, is that people watching this may be similarly inspired by your story, mm-hmm. and they may be people that want to join your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a startup founder, I don't even need to ask you if you're recruiting because everybody's recruiting in startup world. It's the endless cycle of recruiting, looking for talent. What kind of people are you looking for at the moment? Are you looking for hard skills? Are you looking for a particular mindset? Just give us a flavor. Sure. Uh, actually, that's beautiful that it's on the pitch deck. What we're looking for are it's just people with great learning capabilities because of the nature of WiseBass and the shape-shifting and with the value proposition and all that. We can't just hire people that are actually going to be just like that and then this is what I do and this is it. We need people that will be able like, to constantly learn. That's actually one. Three things I'm looking at when I'm hiring right now is actually performance, the attitude, and then the integration with the team because the way we see it for HR it's like um, we're human beings, so right. Uh, I'm looking at the human body is like the company, and then the new person we're gonna bring in is gonna be like an addition to the team, and then it's gonna be like a part of the body, right? And you gotta make sure they integrate well, because if one organ fails, then the whole entire system is getting slowed down. It's not efficient, and then things gonna slow, and then somewhere, somewhat like you gotta either like fire the person or not. So we want to really make sure we don't have to do that. We want to be really selective. And the way we hire is actually to go through three interviews and talk to me, talk to your um, your your future boss, and then then make sure like we get those three things actually clearly communicated before. Mm. I take care of the vision, and then I make sure like this is actually uh, aligned with uh, the candidate. And then if they understand that for the first two months, and then I really pay attention to those details, then they can pass a probation. And uh, it's actually the um, culture, corporate culture, you can say that, really care about this part because that's pretty much like what I can control eventually when the organization um, scales. I'm not gonna be able to micromanage people and all that, so I gotta make sure at least the culture is gonna be around. Yeah, that's, I mean, looking at Steve Jobs on LinkedIn this week, all the videos I've seen shared talking about what makes a great leader is that Mm. they don't manage people and great people don't need to be managed. They just share the vision and the rest should take care of itself. That's the ideal case, yes. Ideal case. Well, we we live in the the, the less than ideal world, but you have to start with the ideal perspective and then sort of when the rubber hits the road, Mm -hmm. that's what it's all about in startup life. Yep, wow. Well, hopefully this, uh, I have more things to share in the future with you guys. I'd love to hear that and come back on and share, you know, the results of your ICO and your global domination plans. Yeah, well, step by step. Step by step, little baby steps. But it's working out really well. Lam, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show and hearing your story. That's Lam Tram, everybody, co-founder and CEO of WisePass. Best way to get hold of you, Lam, what would be the most effective channel to reach out to you? Um, it's very simple. Like, you can just email me. Right. Uh, that's there's two ways. Like first, email lamb at wisepass.co, or you just go on the Facebook page, and uh, I usually receive all the messages as well. Excellent, Lamb Tram. Thank you very much. Thanks, Grab.